You're listening to the North Parkway Podcast, weekly talks designed to help you take the next step in your spiritual journey. You can learn more about our church at northparkway.org. And if these talks are helpful to you, consider using the link in the description to give. Your financial support helps us continue to make great content. All right, well, that's enough intro. Let's get to today's talk. Previously on Science and Faith. Always be ready to give a logical, reasoning-based defense of your faith, citing evidence. We need evidence and experience. We need science and faith informing our worldview because I believe that the same God who wrote the Bible also wrote all of the laws of nature. If you want to know God, you need to study both his books, his word and his world. Science and faith are companions. Is it possible that one is describing how and one is describing who? You can agree with the evidence and just draw a different conclusion because here's what happens. Christians say, I serve a God who makes tea. He wanted tea. He pressed the button. Here I am. And, and the agnostic comes and they say, well, based on my calculations, it wasn't because he wanted tea. It was because the boiling point of water is 212 degrees Fahrenheit. I've explained the magic away. You don't have to believe in that nonsense anymore. When you take the magic away, there's no less wonder. It's actually more. Every time I lose the magic, I gain the majesty. He made it all. And if I dig deep enough, I'm going to find him no matter which direction I dig. All right, finish this statement for me. When I was a kid, I used to think, and you finish it. I'll go first, all right? So give you a chance, okay? But you're going to have to shout something out in a minute, or you can put it on the comments uh, when you're watching from home. When I was a kid, I used to think that if I could just get to Hawaii somehow, that I could make a living living on the beach and fixing everyone's Nintendos. Because I was so good at when the thing wouldn't start, you pull out the cartridge and you go right there, and then you get it in just right, and if you time the reset button with the flashing red light, I could get it to come back on. And as a kid, I thought, if I could just get there somehow, I could make myself a living and live on a house right on the beach in Hawaii. It, it sounded like a perfect plan. What about you? When I was a kid, I, I used to think, somebody, you're like, I'm not sharing those. What's that? Yeah, see? Deanna thought she could live on the beach too. Maybe it's, yeah, fishing, right? Maybe it's just being so far away from any beach in Illinois that that's just like the, okay? Uh, let me give you a couple more because I don't mind sharing my weird kid things. Uh, when I was a kid, they put new gravel in at my school. And so out, uh, we went out and playing on the playground there. And I was digging through the gravel and I saw what looked like a fossil. And as a kid, I thought, man, this thing is full of fossils. And I got my buddy. I'm like, we're going to find fossils and we're going to sell them. We're going to get rich selling fossils from gravel because nobody knew they were out there. I don't think they were really fossils. And when that didn't pan out, I realized that there weren't actually a lot of fossils there. But I did see that my hands had all of this chalk dust on them and they were really smooth. And we said, well, hey, ladies like to have smooth hands. We're going to sell this hand smoothing thing and we'll get rich that way. I was always trying to find ways to make a few bucks as a kid. 
okay? When we were kids, when you were kids, you probably thought some funny, crazy, silly, eye-roll kind of stuff too. But with age comes understanding. Now we know you can't live on the beach fixing Nintendos. You can't find fossils in the gravel yard. With age comes understanding, and most of those mysteries just kind of resolve. Most, most of the mysteries resolve. There are still a few mysteries around, like, where's the other sock? Anybody else? Where's the other sock? I put two matching socks in here. I pull one sock out. I've looked everywhere inside of the thing and all of the different, like, where did the sock go? It's one of the great mysteries of humanity. Last week, we talked about what to do, what happens to your faith whenever you gain understanding. And we talked about this idea that when I understand how God created things, when I see things in science that help me explain how the world works around me, it takes the magic away, but it's replaced by majesty. And I go, wow, God is awesome. But today I want to talk about something different. Today, I want to talk about what to do when the mystery is not resolved. When the understanding doesn't come, what happens to your faith whenever no amount of searching and digging will show you the answer to how, and you just stuck with it? You need to understand these things, and, and just to be fair, you need to understand this no matter what you believe. Whether you believe God made everything like we do here, or maybe you're just checking this place out, or maybe you're just watching this video and, and you believe that everything came around by an unguided process. No matter what you believe, you have to be able to handle mystery because, write this down in your notes, both science and faith force you to embrace mystery. Both of these things, both of these elements both of these force you to wrestle with the unknown and things that don't have a good, solid explanation. See, there's this false narrative out there, and it goes something like this. If you are the type of person that needs to be able to pull it all apart and see how it works in order to believe it, then you need science because the Bible and Christianity and faith is for people who don't want to know how things work. This is all of the answers. This is about questions and this is about answers. But, but I want to show you today, that is a false narrative. Both of these have questions that have not been fully answered yet. And you have to be able to wrestle with that. See, we're familiar with mysteries from the Bible. Okay? And some of you guys, you've wrestled with these too. How did Noah get enough animals on the ark and the whole earth floods and where's the water now? Okay, that's a mystery. There are miracles in the Bible. God parts the Red Sea and they walk across on dry land. God has a guy swallowed by some giant fish and he doesn't die. He's not digested. Uh, a guy prays and the sun stands still in the sky all day long. How does that work with the laws of physics? And why are there mosquitoes? If there's a good God and he created things, why are there mosquitoes? That's real challenge, right? I, I, you know, maybe it was a plague and they weren't part of the original creation. I don't, I'm joking, by the way. I'm sure he has a purpose for mosquitoes. Maybe bats would starve without mosquitoes. And if we didn't have bats, we wouldn't have Batman and the world would be a lesser place. I don't know. Okay. We know that the Bible has mysteries. But, but here's what I want you to see today. The Bible does not have the corner on the market for mysterious things 
that are unexplained. Watch this. So let's talk about some things from science that we don't fully understand. The first one is quantum entanglement. When you zoom in all the way to the smallest particles in reality, things don't behave the way that they do when they're bigger. The laws of gravity and motion kind of get thrown out the window and some really weird stuff happens. One of those things is when you smash two of these particles into each other, they sometimes become entangled. And whatever happens to one particle, the opposite happens to another. If this one is spinning in an upward direction, the other one will always be spinning in a downward direction, no matter how far apart they are. It works kind of like this. Imagine I had two quarters and they were both entangled with each other. I kept one and I gave one to you. And I said, go to the other side of the room. I'm gonna flip my coin and whatever mine lands on, yours will automatically be the opposite. This thing works from the other side of the room, the other side of the town, the other side of the state, and theoretically, the other side of the galaxy. No matter how far apart these entangled particles get, they're making this change instantly. And what's weird is it happens faster than the speed of light. There's no explanation for how these two things so far apart can somehow be connected, and yet they are. It's weird. Let me show you another one, the observer effect. Again, at the quantum level, particles are weird, they're different, and a lot of times they behave like waves. Scientists wanted to measure to see if a single particle would behave like a wave, or if it's just when you have a bunch of them. So they created this experiment called the double slit experiment, and they would take one photon and shoot it through a barrier with two slits. Then they would measure the pattern that this photon left on the back wall on a special receiving film. Now, with one at a time, something really strange happened. This photon would be in the left side, in the right side, in both sides, and in neither, all at the same time. What? It's called superposition, and it's this idea that at the quantum level, things can exist in a multitude of different states, and we don't know which one it is. In order to understand how this thing happened, we created more sophisticated equipment to actually watch the photon as it traveled through the air to see how it can be in both sides at once. And that's when things got a little bit weirder. When scientists observed the photon, it behaved like a solid and it went through one slit or the other like a regular particle and as soon as they stopped observing it started behaving like a wave again we have no idea why the simple act of observing causes this particle to behave differently it's a mystery let me show you one more and this one is my favorite dark matter and dark energy so years ago, astronomers realized that the stars at the edges of galaxies were moving way too fast, as if some huge force were speeding them along like dad at the merry-go-round, and at the same time preventing them from getting slingshot out into deep space. After decades of study, they discovered the source, an energy and matter that doesn't seem to exist in any measurable way. It's what we think causes the universe to expand faster than the speed of light, which should be impossible. And yet, it is. It's like it's a ghost. We see this dark matter and energy pass right through regular matter without leaving any trace that it was ever there. 
It's unseen, unmeasurable, impossible, and yet it has a measurable effect on the physical world. Now, guess what percentage of the matter and energy in the universe is dark? How much do you think? 15%? 30%? 50%? How about 95? 95? Yeah. 95. NASA's current estimate is that about 68% of the universe is dark energy, about 27% is dark matter, and the part that we can physically detect, planets, every body, every star, every galaxy, every black hole, everything that we can detect in any way, that's about 5% of the total of reality. There's so much we don't understand about science, and yet we don't have any problem believing that it's real. There's a word that comes up a lot in conversations about stuff like this that science doesn't understand, and it's a word that the Bible highlights too, the word yet. We don't understand it yet. There are things that seem to be paradoxes, paranormal things, mysteries we don't understand yet, but we haven't stopped searching. And when it comes to making sense of the overlap between science and faith in your mind, that's a powerful concept for you too. Sometimes it all makes sense, but when the pieces don't fit, keep searching. Mike, uh, write that down in your notes. Keep searching. When you run into these mysteries, when you run into these things that you don't understand, when you're reading the Bible and you say, I don't know how this could possibly work. You need to keep searching. You need to keep searching. I know in church we like to just lean on, well, just believe. And there are times when you have to do that. But that doesn't mean that you stop looking for an answer. Remember, your faith is going to be stronger as you pair it with evidence. As you look at the world and you see, this is why I believe things. And so you want to keep searching. Let me show you a really neat lady who uh, has really bought into this concept. Let's put that up on the screens. This is Priska Cushman. She's a professor of physics and astronomy at the University of Minnesota. And she's been studying dark energy and dark matter. Uh, she, she has this facility set up in the bottom of a mine. You go all the way down the mine shaft, and then it's, it's like half a mile over into this room, and they're so far down, and they're so far away from everything because they're trying so hard to detect the slightest bit, the tiniest particle of dark matter or dark energy so we can understand it better. She's been at it for almost 20 years, and in 20 years, she still has not had any results, any success in detecting this stuff, okay? It is really mysterious. And as I was reading about her, I, I found that she's actually in the process of getting with some other folks from some other universities, and they're building an even more sensitive piece of equipment to keep searching. See, they're not satisfied with just, I don't know, it'll always be a mystery. We're, we're still looking. We're still trying to find out what the cause of that is because when you gain understanding along with your faith it builds something really powerful peter says this in second peter chapter 1 verse 5 he says make every effort to respond to god's promises and then he says supplement your faith now notice 
he doesn't say, put faith on the shelf. Have this instead. He says, as you have faith, which is vital, this is important, you need to supplement it. You need to add to it. Anybody eat vitamins? Anybody? Mom puts vitamins out for you when that, yeah. Okay. You don't eat vitamins instead of food, but you supplement it. Okay. He says, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. He's, okay. He says, you believe, great, don't stop there. Keep looking, keep searching, keep building pieces of evidence because if we believe that God created the observable universe and that God wrote the Bible, which we do, then no matter where you dig, you find more about God. And as your understanding of him grows, your faith gets stronger foundations underneath it. And it's, it's a lot more resilient whenever life gets difficult for you. And I know, I know there's value. Just stay with me. If you're a just believe folk, uh, just stay with me. But, but listen, you, you don't want to just start with, I don't know, this is just a mystery. Write this down in your notes. Never use just believe as a cop-out or a shortcut. There are times you need to just believe. But, but you need to, even as you do, you need to continue to look and to search. Okay, let me be honest. One of the greatest criticisms of Christianity, and especially Pentecostals like us, one of the greatest criticisms, which is fair, is that folks like us tend to check our brain at the door and just come have an emotional experience and get hyped and kind of ignore things like logic and ignore things that seem to make no sense and ignore things that sometimes don't make sense because they're wrong. And I don't want that to be you. Listen, I, I don't want you to check your brain at the door when you come here. We want you to experience God. I want you to feel it, but I also want you to think it. God gave you a brain and a desire for knowledge, so use it for his glory. Use it for him and use it to build understanding. When you hit mysteries, when you read about them, when, when that mystery is, I don't know how these two pieces fit together, you need to keep searching. But more importantly, as you do, write this down, you need to keep shrugging. You need to keep searching, but you need to keep searching with a little bit of humility that says, I don't understand it right now. I don't get it. I don't know how these pieces fit together. You have to keep searching. You have to keep shrugging. Quantum entanglement. Okay, anybody else? That's weird, right? That's just weird stuff. If you, can, you can go search those things, and you can go down the weird rabbit hole all afternoon long if you want. Uh, I'm fascinated by that kind of stuff. Okay? The idea that a particle exists in multiple different uh, situations at once, it's just it, it's and when that came along, it, it upset the apple cart of everything we know about traditional physics. But I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that the scientific community has said, we don't understand how this works, and this does not seem to match with traditional physics, but we have not thrown out traditional physics. No one's burning their textbook. Well, one of them's got to be a lie. Or maybe they both are real, and we just don't understand the interplay between them. 
Okay? It, when we discovered quantum entanglement, you didn't have a bunch of scientists going on the top of the uh, university and saying, I no longer believe in gravity! <laughs> okay? <laughs> Splat. Okay? They didn't do that. They didn't do that. Okay? And, and in the same way, you're going to run across things. If you actually read this book, you're going to run across things. You're like, well, that's weird. I wonder how that works. And you're going to find stuff and you're going to say, well, I don't understand how this part fits with this part that I see. You're going to run a across mysteries that you don't have a good answer for. And when you do, you're, along the way, while you search, you have to have a little bit of, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mentioned in the video this powerful word, yet. The difference between a Christian and a, and a non-Christian in that is that we understand because of what the Bible says that sometimes that yet, I don't understand yet, it doesn't make sense yet. Sometimes that yet is not until after this life. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this, for now we can only see a dim and blurry picture of things as when we stare into polished metal. I realize, okay, anybody ever try to see your reflection on, like, the side of a car? Like, you did such a good job waxing, you're like, whoa, I'm really big, whoa, I'm really skinny, okay? Polished metal, not the clearest picture. He says, we can only see a dim and blurry picture of things. I realize that everything I know is only part of the big picture. But one day, when Jesus arrives, we'll see clearly face to face. In that day, I will fully know. But right now, I don't. And that's okay. There's a, there's a sense of, I'm wrestling with this and I want to know, but until I understand, in the meantime, I'm comfortable with just saying, shrug, I don't get it. I don't know. That's a difficult thing. Not everybody is comfortable. There are folks that just by nature are, well, just believe. I don't need to know. And there are others that say, I can't just believe. I need to see the pieces. I need to see the formula. And if you need to see the formula, folks, I, I just want to encourage you, right? The book says you're going to have some of those things. You, you will never understand them on this side of eternity. There are some of those. Now, let me speak to this. I know, I know that last week, um, I know that some of you were a little unsettled last week. When I stood up on this stage and I said, well, did God create everything in six literal days or did he do it in six metaphorical steps? I don't know. And it's true. I don't know which one is right. Let me, let me make sure to clarify. Right? My doubt was never in the truth of this book. My doubt is in the meat computer in this skull. Because I trust this implicitly. This is true. What I'm not sure of is, do I understand this this way when the reality is he's always meant it this way? I don't know. And there's, a, there's such a value in being able to say, I don't understand it yet. And while I search, I'm okay with knowing this doesn't have to make sense. I don't throw out the textbook because one piece I don't understand. Did you know this? Okay, That same, going back to quantum entanglement, which is so weird. Did you know that we as a society are already using quantum entanglement? 
to make more secure bank transactions. This is cool. I just learned about this this week. We're actually using entangled pairs of particles on one side of the transaction and on the other side because they are completely unique and we have no idea how to break that encryption. And so major bank transactions in the world have started adopting this technology using quantum entanglement. We have no idea how it works. But we don't have to know how it works in order to use it well, if I don't know how it works, it's scary. I don't want to touch it. No, I don't know how it works, but it works, so I do it. My goodness, there's so many things when it comes to faith. I don't know how it works, but it works. I, I don't know how God gives me peace that passes understanding and is supernatural, but when I need it, I need it, and when I have it, I know. I don't understand how supernatural healing happens and why sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. I don't know. But my lack of knowing doesn't mean that I don't pray about it. There are things that just won't make sense on this side of eternity. That's part of the deal. Luke 18, 17, Jesus said this famous words. He said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And you could take a lot of conclusions as Ethan comes back up. Well, you, could, you could draw a lot of conclusions for that. You could say, well, if you don't come to faith before you're 13, you're out. Okay, that's obviously not what he meant. He's talking to adults. But I, I think the most obvious answer you can see whenever you look at the context, because when Jesus said that, he said, if you don't accept the kingdom of God like a child, you won't be able to enter it. He said that in sort of a humble sandwich between talking to a guy who was self-righteous and saying, if you can't enter the kingdom, if you think your righteousness is enough, you'll never get in there. And talking to a guy who was wealthy and saying, if you think it's your wealth that will get you in there, you'll never get in there. He says, if you're depending on you, you won't get in there. And if you're depending on your intellect, to be up to the task, you, you, can't, you can't do it. And I know, I know that if you were an intellectual, that's hard to hear. That, that you might have to have some of those things that stay unsolved mysteries in order to cling on to faith. I just said cling on in the service. So some of you Star Trek people, come back. Okay? In order to grasp a hold of faith, you, you may have to come to terms with some unexplained things. But write this down in your notes. Shrugging doesn't mean you're simple. It means you're humble. Think about this, okay? Let me just, for those who really want to understand, let me challenge you in something. Do you really expect a couple of pounds of neurological tissue in your head to be able to comprehend an infinite being who spoke and created all of existence, the 5% we can see, and the 95% that we have no idea what it looks like? Do you, do you really expect all of his ways to make sense to you? Doesn't that seem a little unrealistic? And are you really willing to put that as a condition before you put your faith in this supreme being? Sometimes you just have to trust and say, I don't get it. And I know that is hard. I know that is hard for take it apart people. 
But if you are one of those people, you're, you're not alone in that. Okay, Some of Jesus' closest friends wrestled with the same thing that you do. Listen to this. So Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, to die on the cross for your sins and mine. And he's telling the guys, guys, I'm going to leave you sooner. They're feeling this anxiety. Jesus is leaving. John records a conversation in chapter 14. And Jesus is talking about leaving. He says, when everything is ready, I'll come and get you. So you'll always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. And I want you to, okay. I want you to put yourself in that room with these guys. You feel the tension. And I want you I want you to hear the anger and the frustration in this voice, okay? I want you to imagine the desperation when Thomas responds. He says, no, we don't know, Lord. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? This is not an intellectual conversation where he's stroking his chin. I imagine his voice is raised and he's probably almost on the verge of tears. And I imagine his hands are shaking and he said, why do you keep saying this? We don't know what you're doing. You may not realize this guy who says that, Thomas, he's the same guy that a couple chapters later when Jesus comes back from the dead, Thomas is the one who wasn't in the room the first time Jesus appeared to the guys. And Thomas is the one that says, if I can't, remember some of you guys know this, if I can't see the nail scars in his hands, if I can't put my hand in the wound in his side, if I can't see it, touch it, get proof, I can't believe that. Okay? This is Thomas. Jesus doesn't say, well, you're out. I want you to notice how Jesus responds. John 14, 6, Jesus told him. Did you ever notice that before? This is a famous passage from the Bible. Note the specificity when John doesn't say Jesus told the disciples. He said Thomas is having this crisis of faith and belief. He's saying, Jesus, I don't understand. And Jesus looks at him. And even in the room, he zeroes in on Thomas, who's struggling. And he says, Thomas, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. When Thomas is asking for how, Jesus responds with who? He says, dude, it's, I'm reading between the lines, but okay. I couldn't explain it to you if I wanted to. You wouldn't understand it. This is a time when you have to trust who. And that is hard. I know that is hard. But do you really expect your brain to comprehend everything that he does? I don't. And I'm an intelligent person and I'm going to keep looking and I'm going to keep searching everywhere that I can because I want that understanding. But I also understand Sometimes his response is not proof, it's a person, it's him. It's saying, son, you just have to trust me. And your yet is on the other side of things. Watch this. Let's be honest, you believe some pretty weird stuff when you were a kid. Stuff that today you're probably a little embarrassed of, but in the moment it made sense because you reasoned like a child. You believe some weird stuff, but you also trusted your parents. 
you knew as a child, they were way beyond you in years. They had a worldview, a, a, a grasp on reality that you just didn't have. And that forced you, but it invited you to trust them. And that's the way you need to respond to your heavenly father. The last thing to write down in your notes is this. When you don't understand how, put your faith in who. When the pieces don't fit, when you don't understand how things work and it doesn't seem to line up and you say, this is a paradox that can't both be right. I don't know which way is up. When things don't make sense and you don't understand how, put your faith in who. You see, there's an opportunity at the very edge of understanding. It's an opportunity for you to pick one of two paths. When you exhaust the limits of reason, you have to choose. Are you going to reduce faith? Or are you going to redirect it? See, people go both ways. A lot of, a lot of people, they get to the edge of reason and they say, that's it, not one step more. I need proof. Maybe that's where you've been. Maybe that's where you are now. If so, I get it. But I want to invite you to take something of a risky step, an adventurous step, a dangerous maybe step intellectually, but a step of trust. And instead of reducing your faith, redirect it and say, I, I may not understand how the pieces fit, but I believe he made all of them and I trust who he is, and I trust what I know about him, and, and I've realized that my best intellect on my best day is a drop in the bucket, and his is infinite. And there will be things that will make sense later, but that yet is not now. So in the meantime, in the now, when you find those mysteries, keep searching, keep hunting, keep looking, but keep shrugging and saying, okay, I trust you. And let those moments at the edge of understanding, let those mysteries point you to the maker. Hey, this is Pastor Chris again. Thanks for listening. If today's talk was helpful in your spiritual life, odds are there's someone you know who could benefit from it. Take a minute right now to share it with them. And if you live in the area, come try out a service in person because church is more fun with friends. See you next time.